This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 95.7 The Game's John Dickinson has been with the Warriors every day throughout the championship era. Half-court, the Warriors start to celebrate. The one-time darlings are now a dynasty. And now, he brings you the latest scoops on the back-to-back champs. He's looking good to go. And exclusive player interviews. What's up, Dub Nation? It's your boy, Stephen Curry. This is Warriors Weekly on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, John Dickinson. Welcome in, John Dickinson with your Warriors Weekly Podcast. It's episode number four. And Damon Bruce, host of the Damon Bruce Show, is joining me today on the pod. Damon, uh, always a pleasure to get a chance to talk to you. I think we've done hours of shows over the last few years off the air. And this won't make the air either, but it's nice to actually have an opportunity to to chat with you in a more formal setting. I always love talking sports with you, J.D. It's good to see you again. I'm I'm a little deeply offended that you had three other guests in here before you got to me. But to be your fourth, oh, it's, it's it's good to be hitting cleanup. Here on the Warriors podcast. Well, you you nailed it right there. It's not a slight at all. It's you save your heavy hitter for that four spot. And I'm a traditionalist when it comes to lineups, so the heavy hitter goes in the four. You're not spot. Tinker, you're not you're not moving your power up to two, right. which is very in vogue right now. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm not. Yeah. No offense to Steiny, who I believe was was number two, or, or maybe Guru, or no, I actually was Guru that was two. No, I, I like the you know I like more of a slappy hitter Thank you. Uh, in that two spot, and I I save the thump for the legitimate heart of the order, which is number four. So. So thanks a lot for coming on. I'm either going to put this thing into the parking lot or I'm going to fan everybody because I'm going to strike out so hard. But it's really good to be here. And let's stop mixing our sports metaphors because it's basketball time, baby. Let me ask you, do the Warriors have like seven trap games remaining because seven of their last nine opponents are against teams under 500. Yeah, and my whole thing, and we are recording this, we should let everybody know before the Warriors take on the Memphis Grizzlies. So the Warriors have the Grizzlies in Minnesota, then they're back home. And then, uh, as I've joked a couple of different times, Damon, I think it's just all the games on the schedule that the schedule makers forgot about that they just cram in at the end of the year. That's why you've got two trips to Memphis, <laughs> right. oh, two, the, two to Minnesota, Cleveland's still got to come here, all these random but games. two more with the Grizzlies? All right, just, you know, to, 10 days in between, you put just, them do at the end. just do it, just do just it. Put them at the, end of, at the end of March, fit them in there before the uh, end of the season. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's interesting when you look at it, the Warriors are about, I think, two, three weeks removed from just wanting to have it end. No doubt. <laughs> at this point. And, and, you know, one of the things that I, I've said, and I want to get into kind of the news of the day, which is the Jordan Bell news, and Jordan Bell suspended for the Memphis game contract conduct detrimental to the team. And, you know, one of the things I've said is if the Warriors can get through the last few weeks of the season without having an incident, without having a blow up between player and player, player and coach, you know, things like that, if they can just get to the playoffs to where they can see that end of the line, then they can refocus and really see the the light at the end of the tunnel and, and maybe some of the drama that's been around this team all year just goes away. And Jordan Bell, not an every night rotation player, but a player that I think uh, has shown the, the Warriors he's got a lot of promise. 
suspended. He's had issues with Steve Kerr in the past. There's always that question around Jordan Bell, Damon. Why isn't he playing more? And I think from time to time, and today's an example, we, we sort of see the reason why or the answer to that question. We don't know why he was suspended. That news has not escaped the Warriors yet. And this is the one thing that I can talk about with any sort of certainty here. The Warriors are such a well-run organization, John. I mean, I'm sure you have already, you know, uh, tapped on the shoulders of everyone that you know, and it's probably a lot of the same people that I know, and you and I have probably contacted at least two people trying to, you know, there was the same person trying to get to the bottom of why was Jordan Bell suspended for conduct detrimental. Nobody knows. Nobody, at the time that we're recording this podcast, nobody knows what he did And the fact that the Warriors are able to keep this information in-house is a little bit of a testament to their professionalism. I mean, it really is. Loose lips sink ships, and the Warriors ship is sailing just fine. Nobody's talking out of turn. I admire that, especially when it's almost impossible to protect information in 2019. Having said that, Jordan Bell, wake up and smell the coffee, man. This is a moment in your life that you are going to be uh, an important part of something bigger than you going forward, or you will be a completely forgotten role player who is as as expendable as anyone else on this roster could be. I mean, if Jordan Bell never walked back into the Warriors practice facility again, they're favored to win the NBA championship this year and next. You know, I mean, that's kind of the way it goes. So uh, he has some very important choices to make. We don't know, again, what he did. So how can you really blame somebody for doing something wrong when you don't even know what they did? But it's a bad look, J.D. It is. It's a bad look. And if you're looking for spots of maturity because your game hasn't necessarily matured, so your personality and discipline should be, you know, something needs to mature. What is? Well, and the one thing that we do know, and and it's actually a couple of things, there have been incidents in the past which have not led to suspensions. You go back a couple of months ago in Los Angeles, the Warriors are blowing out the Lakers. And at the end of that game, he has a back and forth with Steve Kerr that was significant enough to where other players, including Stephen Curry and Kevin Durant, stepped in to kind of, you know, try and calm things down between the two. Uh, Steve Kerr didn't really address it uh, other than calling it a miscommunication after that game in L.A. Jordan Bell didn't address it at all. It felt very much like a know-your-role moment. Big time. And another example was last year. Uh, Jordan Bell reported by Monty Poole, I believe, of uh, NBC Sports Bay Area that, you know, from time to time, the optional shoot-arounds, Jordan Bell would, would make them optional for him when the reality is there's an expectation that they're optional for all the stars right, and optional the veterans. For Steph Curry, they're not, not, they're not optional for the rookie at that point in time, which Jordan Bell was. Yeah, you know, I, I would also say that uh, don't put the word optional in front of workouts for players who need more workouts. Um, I guess it's a little bit of a test. You know, are, are you going to be you know the master of your own domain are you going to come in and and take advantage of the optional workout and maybe that's a test that he didn't pass look the truth is what are you doing on game day that's really all that matters and Jordan Bell I don't think has consistently done enough on game day to be comfortable with any aspect of his career as it relates to the Golden State Warriors I like him I believe they like him I believe he is a raw talented player but That's because I'm trying to see the glass half full. The glass half empty on Jordan Bell is he's a springier Ike Diagu and won't be in the NBA for a second contract. 
Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because you look at the Warriors having to make a decision on him. They're in a very similar position with him as they were with Patrick McCaw. Do you want to keep him around? I think the Warriors would want to keep him around. You know, it's funny. He's gone from a guy that it seems like Steve Kerr doesn't want to just give minutes to over the course of a long season because he's almost trying to keep him a little bit in check. But when he's had to go to him, even in some big situations, Western Conference Finals against the Rockets, NBA Finals against the Cavs, he's actually been effective. And I think part of the pull between Bell and the coaching staff is this belief. And you remember very early on, Jordan Bell had the, he threw the ball up off the backboard and dunked it basically in garbage time. Right. You know, he played very well with the other four all-stars. <laughs> like, Whoa, too much sauce on that. It, big, uh, it, big it looked like, oh my gosh, this guy fits in perfectly for yeah. what the Warriors have, have done to the league the last couple of years. Do, do you think any of that maybe? He had a little too much success, maybe a little bit early, and the Warriors have been trying to tamp it down, but then he has success in the biggest moments. I think he's maybe dealing with the frustration that comes with thinking, hey, I'm better than this. Yeah, I deserve more of an opportunity that I'm getting, and then it, it kind of spills over from time to time potentially in an incident that may have led to this suspension. He's enjoyed an awful lot of team success. I don't know how much individual success you can say that he's enjoyed. I think one of the real disappointing things here is, uh, J.D., I think you'll agree that it's been a disappointing year from him, but the disappointment of the year ended about three weeks ago. Like, he started playing better when Kerr went to him, and he was making impactful plays in the game. And so to see him trip up when it looked like things were officially now pointed in the better direction, um, again, I, I don't think it's anything as dramatic as a fork in the road of his career, but the Warriors definitely did not want to suspend anybody with nine games remaining in the regular season. And for a player like Jordan Bell, who's on the fringe of the rotation as it is, it's a bad time to be caught with a runny nose. Let's move on. Our Warriors Weekly Podcast, John Dickinson joined by Damon Bruce this week for 95.7 The Game. Uh, The Warriors season as a whole, hot at the beginning, injury-riddled, holiday malaise. I, I try and get everybody's take on this when I get a chance to sit down with them. Healthy and catch fire in January, really right up until the night before the All-Star break when when everybody lost their minds at the end of that game in Portland, including Steve Kerr, who snapped the clipboard down on the Moda Center floor, getting ejected. Uh, and then since the All-Star break, some great wins, some bad losses, but waiting for the end, it appears. Uh, Gage, for me, your take on just this this season as a whole compared to maybe last season when this team you know, didn't win as many games as we're all used to seeing them uh, between October and April. It's hard to be revved up for every night when you're as good as the Warriors are in April, May, June and got to pretend to bring the same sort of enthusiasm to a Tuesday night game in February when you've got the Brooklyn Nets on the schedule. And, and, and I understand that their malaise and the apathy that Steve was looking to combat so often this year uh, crept in in noticeable ways. I don't know how you could completely keep it out. I do think they do a very good job most often showing up to play. I mean, they, they really do. I mean, they're, they're, they're going to win 50 games. They have won 50 games already again. They, if they, they win out, they're looking at, what, 59 wins it, on the year? It's going to be right about what it was last year, give yeah, or take a game or yeah. two. Yeah, and as long as it comes with a championship, you can dismiss any bump in the road along the way in the regular season as, well, we told you that wouldn't matter and we were right. Now, the day 
where they get into the playoffs and they don't end up winning it, that'll be the day where you can say, well, look back and all these little things in the regular season, and now they all add up to something, and that really matters. Um, the biggest thing that happened in this regular season was the blow-up between KD and Durant. There's nothing that could have torn this team apart more than that, and for a minute, there was nothing that did tear this team apart more than that, but they fixed that. That's their biggest win of the year in the regular season, J.D., can anyone, Fixing that yeah. is what was more important than a one seed, a two seed. And I don't know if that means Durant is staying. As a matter of fact, I don't think he does. But this year, that needed to be fixed in the vacuum of this year. And they have, I believe, fixed it enough to win an NBA championship this year, which means, you know what, the regular season was great after all. What's your take been on, on Durant and his... Durant, the facilitator. Durant, not taking as many shots. Durant, well, moving only, the yeah, basketball. We, we've the, only really seen it in the one game where he took the six shots. And I honestly, I don't have a problem with it as long as the team was aware. I don't know about how world-class athletes communicate what's about to happen tonight to each other. Is it unspoken? Is it spoken? I would like to think that Durant told everybody, Guys, I was 9-23 last night against the Dallas Mavericks, and I wasn't happy with the way the ball was coming off my so fingertips. Keep it moving. And so I'm, I'm going to tonight, I'm going to put myself on like a double-secret probation from a shot standpoint. I'm going to be a facilitator. I'm going to be looking to make the pass, not take the shot. And I am going to find my normal by finding my efficiency once again. And even though he took six shots, he hit five of them. That is what Kevin Durant lives to do, the efficient game. So I think he wanted to center himself and he thought less is more in terms of just shooting the ball. Like he even said in the soundbite, we got shooters. And you know what I also thought was great that night? That Just let you know that everything else is being screwed on the right way. Even though Kevin Durant's shooting in that game was abnormal, the way that he approached the post-game press conference was abnormal to the good he came out in that White Sox hat, which is usually like, uh-oh, uh, Durant's here to battle the media. Exactly. Look out, everybody. That's right. He got into it. He, like, set up an awkward moment with Marcus Thompson, and then he immediately diffused it. And it was like, oh, no, is something wrong? Is something? No, nothing's wrong. Everything's okay. And Kevin's really taken this comfortably, and it's rolling off his shoulders. And, and, and I actually thought it was good. I think this is going to get Kevin – back the way the Warriors want him to be because he found his his true north in that win over Detroit by one of those less is more games. Yeah, that, that post-game press conference I thought was a nice reset button for yeah. him heading toward the playoffs and much needed because this team, you know, that's the one thing being around him on a, on a nightly basis at home and occasionally on the road and covering all the practices, Damon, is this team has just felt on edge with the media. Yeah for the better part of two months almost, and, really. And, and and they were even for a good portion of the holidays, too, around Thanksgiving when the Durant-Draymond thing broke. So it, it, it for them to kind of get back to just a p- more positive vibe with everybody, I think, is big. Well, and, I, and let's be totally honest here, and, and maybe there are some people that will disagree with me, but the toxicity of the Warrior media relationship has an awful lot more to do with how the Warriors interpreted their coverage than the actual coverage getting toxic. That's a great point. And I think that, that, well, thank you. I think that, that, that the Warriors at some point realized that. And I, I think that that helped get through this, this little 
you know, awkward tete-a-tete that the media and the Warriors have had a time or two. And, you know, I was talking with Matt Kolsky, and he said something that I also think is a part of this. The Warriors, Kevin Durant specifically, isn't very good at taking compliments. Like, it's not just the slights that bother him. The compliments represent areas where you didn't compliment enough. Like Or the right way. Even. Right. Let's say let's say, you know, John, you were dressed smartly today. Your shirt, your tie, your jacket, your hair looks good. You shaved. Looking fantastic, man. Head to toe. Normally, you would say, Well, thanks very much. That yeah. makes me feel better That's about awesome. myself. Kevin Durant might walk away going, Well, I didn't say anything about my shoes. Yeah, you think my shoes suck? Yeah, you, you don't understand how to fully dress if you don't understand how important the shoes are to an outfit, too. And because you didn't say anything about the shoes, you don't really understand how to dress. And I think that that is how Kevin Durant approaches even compliments in his life. And that creates a space of tension where there really isn't tension being put at you. It's being interpreted. Yeah, and, and he's there's a, there's a defiance to him, too, with almost any question, even an, an extremely innocuous question. Right. He tends to lean, hey, Coach Kerr said this. And it's something very basic. Do you like puppies? Well, why don't you like cats? He tends to he tends to almost give the opposite answer, even in a lighthearted way, almost 90, 90, 95 percent of the time. He'd probably be a good sports talk show host. He's got a little contrarian in him. No, no doubt. No, no, he (laughs) absolutely would. And yeah, he's got an edge to him. He's got an attitude to him. And don't tell me he doesn't want to be a host somewhere deep down in his life. This guy's got more projects in production then i got shows to host this week he does final final one for you here damon and, and we appreciate uh, the time of damon bruce on the warriors weekly podcast john dickinson with you here for 95 7 the game can anyone take down the warriors besides themselves yeah yeah i think the houston rockets are a western conference threat and should be treated as such until they're eliminated and i really think that toronto or milwaukee could represent a headache for them in the nba finals more so than than Philadelphia, more so than than Boston even, because Boston can be very up or down. I think Toronto and Milwaukee are consistently good defensively enough. They're long enough to give this team a little bit of trouble. I like the way that they matched up in the regular season. Now, we haven't seen quite full-strength matchups where they're really running playoff minutes and rotations at you. So I still like the Warriors in every conceivable scenario, but they are not the... Well, there's nothing to even really discuss. Foregone conclusion of NBA champions that they were in the past. And that's not a demerit against them. It's a credit to the rest of the league, which has done an an amazing job closing the gap on the Golden State Warriors. This has been a great... You asked me about the Warriors regular season? Sure. Meh. The NBA's regular season was phenomenal. A lot of fun. Yeah, it really was. A lot of fun. If you throw the Warriors kind of on their own island, you're right. There's been a lot of entertaining games, a lot of great storylines. It's a really evenly matched league. And it's good to have a whole league to talk about again. It's not like the East is the junior varsity to the extent that it was for the better part of 12 years. So... It, it, it's good. Healthy, competitive balance is a good thing, which now brings us back to the original argument of why the Warriors are evil to begin with, because they upset the competitive balance of the NBA. I said final question. I lied. I'm going to sneak in one more. You said it's a podcast. It, I'll it's allow your it. read right now as of here we are, March 27th, as this thing re- is recorded, that Kevin Durant leaves. Where do you think he goes if he leaves? I think he's a New York Knickerbocker. I think that there's a handshake deal between Dolan and Kleiman and four dudes on Wall Street that you've never heard of to deliver the player 
to the promised land to come save the New York Knicks. And there aren't many uh, basketball scenarios that sound better at a chance of fame and glory than winning a fourth consecutive championship with the Warriors as they open Chase Center. But being the savior of the New York Knicks represents maybe one of those, okay, like I could see if you would do that, you'd be regarded as a god forever, and, and, and I get it. But I still think it's fool's gold to put any element of a great career into the hands of, of James Dolan, who has proven time and time and time again that he isn't an adequate owner. Well, the ownership that the Warriors have is so above adequate that I, 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 don't, think, I don't think in life you walk away from great management when you find it, especially when great management offers you the most comfortable work day at the highest price you can be offered. Like there's the reasons to stay are infinite. The reason to go is tempting enough for when it does happen. I think I'll, I'll, I'll understand it on some level, not necessarily a basketball competition level, but from a brand name sticker shock level, Durant to the Knicks. Yeah, that stops the world in its tracks. Everyone looks at that headline and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him run to it. Damon Bruce, appreciate the time. Thanks a lot. And of course, the Damon Bruce Show. Thank you. Three to seven, Monday through Friday, 95.7 The Game. Can I give you one more thing, though? One more. Yeah. If Durant did leave, this does not leave the Golden State Warriors high and dry. It actually could return them to a more pleasurable, more watchable, regular style of basketball. The regular season will once again be a proving ground and will matter more. It won't be the foregone conclusion that this past couple of years have been. And I think it could do a, a, a very weird breathing life back into the team, and it could actually be positive for them. Well, and I actually think even that could be positive for them and positive for the league when you yes. when you put that with what we were just talking about, which is the fact that there are so many teams that are so good and have improved. If, if you're telling me going into the 2019-20 season, Damon, that there's, let's say, eight teams that can win the championship, that's incredible for the NBA, and it's something that I can't remember in my lifetime ever being the case where there's that many teams that can win the championship. By the way, can I give you a compliment? You do a lot of great things around here, John Dickinson. Covering the Golden State Warriors is what you do the best. You're awesome at this. We learn more because of you. We are more well-informed because of you. We have great sound every night because of you to turn around. Awesome job covering the team again. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Appreciate it, Damon. Thanks a lot. You got it, buddy. All right, we're going to debut a new portion of the Warriors Weekly Podcast, and that is the Q&A portion where I take questions from you, the listener, uh, via Twitter, via email. If you, if you want to tweet in uh, some questions to me, you can do so at J.D. John Dickinson, J-O-H-N, D-I-C-K-I-N-S-O-N, at J.D. John Dickinson. Uh, also, uh, Dickinson at 957thegame.com. It's the same spelling there, D-I-C-K-I-N. S-O-N on our Warriors Weekly Podcast. Going to try and feature this here and there over the course of the next few weeks here as we continue things rolling here between now and the end of the regular season. But uh, let's get to the questions here on our Warriors Weekly Podcast. Uh, Question number one, this one comes in from Matt. Uh, Matt in Danville checking in here. Uh, Matt in Danville. Uh, Would a smoking hot Clippers team Make for a fun and interesting playoff series. Clippers-Warriors in the second round. I actually think the Clippers and Warriors are intriguing whether they play in the first round or the second round, although I got to tell you, 
if the Warriors are playing the Clippers in the second round, and, and right now Clippers currently holding the five seed and they're as hot as anybody in the NBA, I think the Clippers are still one of the better matchups for the Warriors compared to others that potentially they could see. And the reason I believe that is because the Clippers... The Clippers are still a team without a star. And look, the Clippers have a lot of really good players. Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams and, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Montrez Harrell and Zubats, who they picked up from the Lakers. Danilo Gallinari, obviously, probably the best player among their starting unit. They pretty much run it through Gallinari as their starting unit. They run it through Lou Williams as their their backup unit, but they are still a team as great as Lou Williams is and as good as Danilo Gallinari can be in that starting lineup. They are a team without a star. They run about 10-11 deep, but there's no superstar among them. The Warriors would be the ultimate team of many superstars, and I think you saw back on January the 18th when DeMarcus Cousins returned from his Achilles injury in Los Angeles at Staples Center, how the Warriors were able to take down the Clippers with relative ease on that night. So I would set the over-under on a Warriors-Clippers series at about one and a half in terms of games that the Clippers could win or the Warriors could lose. And I would probably bet the Warriors. I think it's a 4-1 series if those two teams meet at best. But no disrespect to the Clippers, who have had themselves a hell of a season to get themselves in the conversation for actually being a second-round opponent of the Warriors. All right, let's get to Jonathan. Jonathan and Hercules checking in here on our Warriors Weekly Podcast, 95-7 The Game. John Dickinson with LeBron's Lakers being so bad and missing the playoffs. Does this officially validate that Clay's staying with the Warriors and not heading to L.A. to join the Lake Show? Jonathan and Hercules appreciate the tweet in uh, and the question, and Jonathan, I would say this, as long as the Warriors offer Clay Thompson the max at 12.01 when Clay Thompson becomes a free agent in July, then Clay Thompson's going to be a member of the Golden State Warriors. It's as simple as that. But if the Warriors mess around and they try and offer him a little bit less, as it was reported they did with Stephen Curry and his Supermax deal before Curry ultimately got his Supermax contract. If the Warriors mess around with Klay Thompson, then I think Klay Thompson could potentially look elsewhere. But uh, I think Klay Thompson is probably a 90% shot to stay with the Golden State Warriors, uh, assuming that things don't get uh, exceptionally weird between uh, his camp and the Golden State Warriors camp uh, at this point uh, as you look toward the offseason. Look, I, I got to tell you, LeBron James, what a debacle. What a debacle LeBron James and this year became. I mean, really, I think an embarrassment uh, to the legacy of one LeBron James. Uh, will that have a trickle-down effect uh, to Clay Thompson? We shall see. But as long as the Warriors are buttoned up and ready to roll December, or, or December, June 30th uh, at 9.01 Pacific, 12.01 Eastern on July 1st, as long as Golden State is ready to offer him the max Clay Thompson should be a Golden State Warrior. All right, Reed. Reed in Walnut Creek is up next here. Reed checking in with his question. Uh, can Steph win another championship without Kevin Durant? I absolutely think Stephen Curry can win a championship without Kevin Durant. Whether that's this year, 
should Kevin Durant go down with some kind of an injury during the playoffs or whether it's next year, should Kevin Durant leave via free agency and the Warriors are left with Durant, uh, or rather Curry, Thompson, and Draymond Green. Durant heads elsewhere. I think the Warriors would still be in the mix to win a championship. Would I call them the favorite? Would I pick them above the field? Not necessarily, but if the Warriors are able to revamp some of their depth, I do still think Curry and Thompson and Draymond Green have one more year left in their prime to where they can win another championship. And I certainly believe, uh, given the the nature of both the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference, uh, if Durant were to go down via an injury and the Warriors had to win, let's say, a round or two uh, without him, I, I think that they could do it, which would play toward Curry's ability to win a championship without Durant. So definitely not the favorite. I'm not sure I would take the field again. I probably wouldn't take the field over uh, the Warriors or Stephen Curry to win a championship without Durant, but I definitely still think it's in the cards, especially next year, although probably next year, the final year of that window as far as Curry and Clay and Draymond Green and that core three being able to get it done if Kevin Durant does choose to uh, play elsewhere. We have a, a second question coming in, this one from Walty, Walty and Pleasant Hill. Do you think KD can officially be called a snake if he leaves the Warriors next year. No, he's not a snake if he leaves the Warriors. In fact, I think a, good, a majority of people would, would say the opposite. They would say, yeah, you know what, maybe you know he joined the Warriors and what was up with that, and if you can't beat him, join him, and Oklahoma City could have easily won a championship or at least been, been in contention as the Warriors were the last couple of years if Durant had chosen to stay. No, I, I think Durant rids himself essentially of the, the snake moniker uh, if he leaves the Golden State Warriors uh, this offseason. Steve uh, checks in here on our Warriors Weekly Podcast, and again, at J.D. John Dickinson. Uh, if you're out there listening, you can tweet your questions, Dickinson at 957thegame.com, jdickinson957thegame.com, if you want to email your questions in, as Steve did, and Steve uh, is checking in from Martinez uh, here on our Warriors Weekly Podcast. Steve and Martinez uh, should... The Warriors consider trading Clay Thompson and keeping Durant. If there's any more money implications, uh, maybe to ensure they can have a bench. Boy, Steve, I really don't see it. I really don't see it, Steve. I don't think there's a scenario out there where the Warriors keep Durant, Clay Thompson goes away, and they find themselves trying to to use you know Clay Thompson's exit to grant them some bench players. If anything, I think it would actually be the opposite. I think it would Clay Thompson resigns. I would think it would be Kevin Durant resigns. And you've got a core three, let's say, of Durant with Clay Thompson and, of course, Stephen Curry, who's already here. If anything, at that point in time, I could see the Warriors maybe looking to trade Draymond Green for a couple of bench pieces. But I think when you have the three scores, you would want to keep those three in place and then maybe with Draymond Green being on the final year of his deal in 2019-20, you would try to use Draymond Green as the bait to get uh, a couple of, maybe a starter and a bench player, a starter and a couple of bench players, but improve uh, the Warriors' depth. Uh, also, another question coming in 
uh, as we look at this one. Is there any way they can really keep Boogie? This one comes from Jason. Jason out in Marin. Uh, checking in here with this question, Jason and Marin up in the North Bay. God, we just get them from from all different parts of the Bay Area. Uh, and Jason checking in. Any way they can really keep Boogie? Well, the, well, the best way they can keep Boogie is if uh, Draymond Green and or Clay Thompson and Iguodala or Livingston find their way on other teams. Because the reality is. Uh, you know, Durant would have to go, and then the Warriors would still have work to do. So I know there's this belief that, well, if Durant leaves, then the Warriors can just sign Boogie. That's actually not the case. It's actually not the case at all. In fact, the, the most the Warriors can, can pay DeMarcus Cousins is right around $9 million next year. That would be the non-taxpayer mid-level. Well, to have the non-taxpayer mid-level exception available to the Warriors, that means you got to be under the tax. Well, to get under the tax, that means Durant would have to go and the Warriors would still have to do some other maneuvering uh, in addition to Durant being gone. And that would, in all likelihood, mean that they would have to try and trade a Draymond Green or a Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson, obviously, a free agent, so you'd want to keep him. And then you'd have to take a look at, at what Andre Iguodala or Sean Livingston would bring in terms of a salary cap relief, essentially shipping those guys off for next to nothing or future picks in an attempt to get under the salary cap. So the reality is if DeMarcus Cousins wants to stay and hang out and be a warrior and he wants to do it for $9 million or even $6 million, which would be the taxpayer mid-level, which is more likely, that would come at a cost of DeMarcus Cousins taking significantly less money uh, here moving forward. Uh, Donovan, uh, as we continue our, our Warriors weekly podcast Q&A session, first one uh, in the books and some great questions here. Uh, Donovan uh, is checking in and Donovan checking in from the Central Valley. Uh, Donovan checking in actually from uh, Los Banos uh, and Donovan uh, in Los Banos. Uh, would you let Jordan Bell walk? Boy, I, I I'd be real tempted. I'd be real tempted to tell Jordan Bell to take a hike, especially after being suspended for the Memphis Grizzlies game for conduct detrimental to the team. Him and Steve Kirk clearly have not gotten along. Uh, Steve Kirk constantly uh, and consistently trying to keep him in check. The two had the back and forth back in January the 21st at Staples Center in Los Angeles. Steve Kirk downplayed it, called it a miscommunication, but clearly Jordan Bell thinks that he should be playing significantly more than he has been, and uh, the Warriors trying to make sure that Jordan Bell is 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 doing all the little things in addition to getting out there when he's called upon and, and making the most of his opportunities in some of the bigger moments. Uh, I still, though, think uh, Jordan Bell as a restricted free agent, boy, it, it's probably still difficult to let him walk and I keep going back to Pat McCaw who the Warriors did ultimately say they would match any offer but allowed to let walk after the Cavaliers signed him to a essentially a poison pill kind of a deal a, a deal that was well within uh well above rather the the realm uh that the Warriors were comfortable matching and then Cavs were able to wave him and he found his way up to Toronto so look as far as Jordan Bell goes I wouldn't want to let him walk. I'd, I'd want to try and keep him, but the reality is Jordan Bell has to understand his lot uh, in the NBA, and that's the fact that he's a second-year player still trying to grow his game and fit in 
regularly to a, a championship-level rotation. He's a guy that has said himself he needs to be more committed to the game, yet at the same time, he always seems to find himself in positions where uh, the coaching staff wants to go away from him as opposed to going to him, uh, and I think that's a, a big problem. But just in terms of value, would you let him walk? I would really want to based on the attitude and the way that he's uh, conducted himself these last couple of years, but I think as far as value, it's probably a bit too soon to let Jordan Bell walk. All right, Tim is our final question, our Warriors Weekly Podcast, 95.7 The Game Q&A segment. As Tim uh, checks in, and Tim is coming to us from Alamo. Wow, Tim a baller out in Alamo. Uh, down 680 on the corridor there uh, where the sun is shining. Tim checks in. Uh, who is uh, Who in the East poses the biggest threat to the Dubs and why? Is it a talent star power thing, a matchup thing? I actually think the Boston Celtics still pose the most difficult threat to the Golden State Warriors as far as being able to beat them, but I would probably put them as the third most likely opponent that the Warriors face Uh, coming out of the Eastern Conference. I think Toronto and Milwaukee are probably ahead of Boston in terms of the likelihood that the Warriors face him. But Boston, with Kyrie Irving, with Jason Tatum, with Al Horford, with uh, some depth in terms of wing players, Terry Rozier and and Marcus Smart, and, and guys that can really defend the Warriors, and a coaching style that I think can can help to slow the Warriors down. I think Brad Stevens does a hell of a job, maybe better than anybody during the Steve Kerr era, at least up in the conversation among anybody uh, in the Steve Kerr era as far as uh, coaches uh, on the opposition side. I think Brad Stevens has done a hell of a job against the Golden State Warriors. So I still put Boston as the toughest individual head-to-head uh, team against the Warriors, potentially. They've been very comfortable at Oracle Arena the last few years. Kyrie Irving's hit big shots at Oracle Arena, albeit when he was a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Celtics themselves have won at Oracle Arena uh, on a number of occasions in the last five years of the Steve Kerr era. I believe three different times the Celtics have gotten it done against the Warriors at Oracle. So I think the Celtics are actually the opponent that the Warriors would least likely to want to face in an NBA Finals uh, although I think they're also probably the third uh, third least likely opponent that the Warriors actually face. I think Toronto, if you had to you know, pin me down and say, J.D., who's it going to be? Uh, Toronto or somebody else? I think it would probably be Toronto at this point. I, I, I look at the East, and I see it this way, and I'm, I'm looking at the standings uh, here as we wrap it up here. Uh, Warriors Weekly Podcast, John Dickinson with you on 95.7 The Game as I bring up the standings in the Eastern Conference. I'm looking at Boston and Indiana as a first-round matchup, a 4-5 series. I think Boston beats Indiana, and then I think Boston is going to go on to play Milwaukee, who's the one seed. And I think Boston's actually going to beat Milwaukee. That's a 5-1 matchup. I think Boston beats them and winds up in the conference finals against Toronto. But right now today, I think Toronto ends up beating Philadelphia they play Boston in the conference finals, and then Boston runs out of gas. And Toronto winds up making it to the NBA Finals and plays against the Golden State Warriors. But the Warriors uh, go ahead and beat Toronto because Boston ran out of gas and didn't value the regular season nearly enough to get a record that would allow them to 
withstand the long haul in beating uh, a team like the Raptors in, in making it to the finals. So, so that's going to do it. That's my answer. I think Toronto plays the Warriors, if you ask me right now. March 28th is this podcast drops on the 28th, and we record it late at night on the 27th. I think Toronto ends up playing the Warriors, but I do think Boston would be the biggest threat out of the Eastern Conference. So I appreciate uh, all of the questions from Matt and Jonathan and Reed and Steve and Donovan and Tim. Uh, This is something we're going to do semi-regularly here, I think, on our Warriors Weekly Podcast. Uh, But that's going to do it. Uh, Thanks to Damon Bruce. Thanks to Nash Solomon. Thanks to Alex Scott, everybody, for helping to put this pod together. Uh, For all of them, I'm John Dickinson. We'll talk to you next week. Warriors Weekly for 95.7 The Game. This was a production of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 